I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. This story, Holy Water, asks a question about this most basic yet astounding substance of water that all organic life depends on. The question asked in this story, though, is where science and spirituality meet. What exactly makes water holy? stole my water bottle. I looked up to see this massive guy with bloodshot eyes towering over me and pointing at the blue water bottle sitting by my feet. I squinted up at him and awkwardly tried to stand, spilling a bunch of the contents from my pack that had been sitting on my lap. In a stronger tone, he said, that's mine, it's mine, and you took it. I glanced down at the bottle. It was clearly my blue camelback water bottle. He continued, I brought that with me from home and it's been with me ever since. We stood for a moment, both stubbornly waiting for the other to back down, and then something happened. Big tears filled his eyes, and he stepped back and his shoulders hunched. Okay, then, I thought. He has hit a breaking point, and I just happened to be in his path when it happened. Deep breath simple misunderstanding. He softened, but was again firm. That's my water bottle. Now my eyes followed his to the blue water bottle at my feet. This time I noticed a word written in pink sharpie toward the bottom. I picked it up, and even as I was turning it over, the man standing in front of me was shakily holding out his hand for it, saying what I was seeing written on the bottle. Love, Andrea. Stating the truth, I said, this is not my water bottle. Of course, when you're on the trail, boots and water bottles are companions that you don't part with lightly. He was persistent in his silent request, holding out his hand and locking eyes with me. What is wiser at that moment? Have no water bottle or keep one that is clearly not yours? Well, where's mine? Not sure exactly who I was asking. Lady, I don't know. Maybe back at the fountain? I blinked a couple of camel-while-chewing cud blinks, then handed him the bottle. Sorry. I turned to start what I thought would be a really, really annoying retracing of my steps when he caught my arm. Hey, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but my sister gave me this bottle for this trip, and it means a lot to me. I'll walk back with you to find yours. As we walked, he told me that he was recovering from drug abuse, and he thought that a pilgrimage would be deeply beneficial for him. His sister, who he called his biggest fan, had given him the water bottle to encourage him. A week before he left, she was in a car accident and died. That water bottle was the only thing keeping him going, because he knew how much she hoped he would be able to make it to the end. Sure enough, not quite a mile back, at that tiny town's fountain, sat my blue water bottle, the blue one without the pink Sharpie. 
he decided to stay there for the night. I think the mile he had walked, thinking he had lost the water bottle his sister had given him, had been exhausting for his soul. The hug and Buen Camino, we said to each other, was the most sincere of the whole pilgrimage. As I left the town for a second time, a sign outside of a shop that I hadn't noticed earlier caught my eye. Holy water for sale here. What makes water holy? On the Camino, water becomes almost like a commodity on these hot days of walking. Don't get me wrong, the Camino is well established, and no one who prepares and stays on the path will die of thirst. But being on this path day after hot day makes your need of water become very clear. Our physiological need of water is the most basic after our need for air. We are in a constant cycle of intake and output. We drink, we sweat, we pee, we drink. We need water for even the tiniest parts of us as hydration synthesis, where water is taken in on a cellular level, is constant. Every single moment we are alive, we are in need of water. The centrality of water to life is undeniable. Water is precious. But what makes it holy? I know people bring water back from the Jordan River, where Jesus was baptized, and call it holy. Is water holy because of where it is from? There are basins and churches that contain holy water. Is water holy because it was blessed or uniquely purified? Water has some very unique, incredible properties. Does that make it holy? Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones, even just a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, will not lose his reward. That cup of water given to a little one sure sounds holy to me. But would that same cup of water remain holy if that little one took that water and threw it in someone's face? What about water from the Jordan River? Could we consider it holy still if it was thrown in someone's face? Could water be considered holy because of how it's used? One summer day 19 years ago, my husband was speaking at a beloved country church, which is only open in the summer. It truly is a special place that feels like home to many people in the area. I first started going with my friend Amy when we were in high school. This day, many beloved people, friends, and family were there with us. We listened as a record of the history of the church was read and realized that my father-in-law had been baptized there 60 years ago to the day. Our new, newest daughter, who was a little over one year old, had yet to be baptized. My heart leapt. How special would that be for her to be baptized at that little brown church that we love so much 60 years after her grandfather? So I circulated a note getting the plan in action. After the service, we gathered and prepared for the baptism, realizing only then that we were missing the key element of water. Originally, this old summer church had no electricity or running water, but as it was the year 2000, it had been updated, but this Sunday, the water was turned off for repairs. No matter how basic a baptismal ceremony is, there is one clear necessity, water, what to do. Sometimes God works in mysterious ways, and sometimes he provides in mysterious ways. Because right on cue, a cyclist, complete with a water bottle attached to his crossbar, pedaled by. We flagged him down, and with a shrug of his shoulders, he handed over the water bottle. 
and that is the water we use for her baptism. How can it be otherwise but that when the words were spoken, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the water that squirted out of that water bottle had surely been made holy. This was what I pondered as I walked by this shop that proclaimed that it sold holy water. Had these people pondered the same question? What did they mean by holy water? How about quenching a true pilgrim's thirst so that she can carry on walking with her Lord? Good enough for me. So I went in and ordered one holy water. Later on, on an alternativa route to the Church of the Templars, I walked by a cornfield where sprinklers are in action. In the late afternoon light, I watched sprays of water shoot out over the thirsty stalks and separate into droplets and catch the light one by one. I play a game. Can the water drops find me? I can't speed up or slow down, just keep walking at this pace. I hear a pitter-patter behind me and turn to see the shape of water-splatted dirt, but it doesn't reach me. A few steps later, up ahead, I see it. I see the stream and follow it with my eyes. I keep the pace, forcing myself not to speed up or slow down. And here it comes. Tick, tick, tick. Now I feel the first drop on my face. In such a dry and dusty countryside, these drops of water are a gift from heaven, and I take them in as part of God's continual baptism of me. I gulped from the bottle of holy water I had bought, sat down under a tree, and closed my eyes to savor the moment. What followed was not exactly a daydream, nor was it a memory. This was something else. I am ushered into a place where imagination mixes potently with reality. I am under this tree by the cornfield, but am also by the ocean, where a quick succession of, of events taught me more about holy water than an ocean of thoughts about it. I came to the water's edge, put down my pack, unlaced my boots, and weighed in. It was so hot I did not care in the least how wet my clothes got. Soon it felt like I was surrounded by the water, wading in and wading deeper. It was so hot, and I wanted to be surrounded, be submerged in this water. It was such a gift. I have also experienced other times when the water does not feel like a gift, when I resisted being surrounded by it, and more intensely feared being submerged in it. Water isn't always kind. Now the wind picks up and I feel a storm coming on quickly. Salt water splashes into my eyes and mouth. The mildness I felt minutes ago melts away, and a force grows as the sea becomes aggressive. What if I could not get back to shore? I was alone. Looking back toward shore, I can barely see my pack and boots. They look so small, and threaten to be swept away by the growing surf. If they wash away, so would the only sign that a person was out here, that person being me. Without warning, the ground under me dropped out, and now I, too, was threatened to be washed away. I found myself out in a violent sea with a storm raging around me. I could not even locate the shore, and was now sure that no passerby would know to look for me. I felt despair creeping into me like the chill of the water. An echo from a deep place sounded. From whence does your help come? Your help comes from the Lord. 
an electric shock sprang up through my toes and clear through the crown of my head. I was not alone. Stepping out from behind a swell or cloud bank, I could not tell which, came Jesus. Like a lightning bolt with a peal of thunder that separates bone from sinew. We lock eyes, but words and water do not mix well as I try to call out to him. At that moment, I knew a new level of need I had never felt before. I knew I needed a savior. I did not ask the question of how he was walking on water. I did not ask why he was walking on water. I just knew that I needed him so desperately to walk on water, and he was. He came to me and extended his hand. You have little faith, I heard deep in my heart. I had read those words before and had imagined them so differently. In my brain, I had heard it with a tone of criticism, pointing out a lack, a flaw, something shameful. Yet in a moment, I was like Peter, the rock upon which the Lord would build his church, and I am like him, drowning in the Sea of Galilee after asking Jesus if he too could walk on water. Jesus is reaching down and saying, You have little faith. Yet the way he is saying it, and the look in his eyes, turns my world upside down. He is saying it in the most captivating and endearing tone, and there is pure mirth in his eyes. This is not a statement of condemnation, but of acceptance and of love. And from that love, an irresistible invitation to come to him, to need him, and to receive the help he offers. Not because we are so hopeless, but because he is so good. You of little faith, becoming much more synonymous with Jesus pulling that little child into his lap and talking about his kingdom and how we are like little children, small, especially in our faith as to the heights and depths of his glory and his love. If Jesus is fully God and fully man, he has come to save us in ways we can't save ourselves and to invite us to be with him, to become more like him, yes, and also by the design and longing of God to enter into an ever-expanding, ever-deepening union with him. It is only when we look into his eyes, knowing our need, that we begin to see the profound love in his. So I stare into the depths of Jesus' eyes as he pulls me up out of that state of drowning and despair, and am transported back to the shore where I stand thigh-deep in the calm blue water. I open my eyes now to find I'm sitting under a tree, by a cornfield in northern Spain, being sprinkled by water. Have I looked into Jesus' eyes? Not exactly, but absolutely yes. Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water, and he spent a long time looking from his lonely wooden tower. And when he knew for certain that only drowning men could see him, he said, All men will be sailors till the sea shall free them. That's Cohen indeed. Holy water. 